Y'all ain't no rhyme, right? Let's go. Uh, no masterpiece. Hey. Ten bad babs and they after me. Bad. One bad bad look like a masterpiece. Uh. Looking for a dunk like an athlete. Uh. Big drip, what you call it? Big drip. Ice chain, peeled water. Ice, ice, ice. You got the cab, but can't afford them. Cash. You got the bad, but can't afford them. Give me the beat, I ride it like a jet ski. Hey. So many bad bad, they harassing me. Bad. They like me cause I rap and be with the athletes. Stop asking me. Uh, I know they mad at me. Nah. Hop in the coop, then I slide like it's Vaseline. Mm-mm-mm. Yes. I have successfully figured out a way to sip my coffee at my desk without destroying every electronic that I own. Welcome back to the PTV Sports Podcast. I am your host, Peter and Today, we are going to be going over the Thursday night football game between the Houston Texans and the Carolina Panthers, which was a borderline snooze fest after Christian McCaffrey left the game with a hamstring injury in the first quarter. We'll get to that in a little bit. And also, I will be giving you my picks for the week three slate, the rest of the week three slate. Uh, You guys know that, eh, we'll get into it in a minute, I was going to say you guys know that I picked... Carolina, and I got that one right, but we, we don't have to talk about that just yet. A um, little bit of a content drop today. If you're listening, this is probably around uh, 11 or 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I'm getting this episode out to you. I believe this is episode, well, number one, it's episode 80 entirely, which is crazy to me. 80 episodes already. A lot of them, I would say about 50 or a little less than 50 all on my own is pretty crazy to think, but that's a, a, a little bit of a milestone. I guess 80 is a weird milestone. I was going to announce 75, but then I was like, ah, who announces 75? Like, unless it's a, a a birthday or a wedding anniversary, when do you ever hear someone celebrate, celebrating 75, year, 75 years or 75 episodes of something? So I just let that one rock, but I thought I'd let you guys know 80 episodes. I'm actually trying to look and see what episode of season three this will be this is if it will be episode 23 of season three so we're probably winding down season three up until this point i usually like to go 30 episodes a season which makes no sense because i'm pretty sure i went like 45 episodes with season one and then i went like 22 episodes with uh season two i know that math doesn't make any sense i'm just rambling on but i feel a whole lot better today than I did Tuesday morning, that's for sure. Uh, I don't know what was going on with me. I was, I guess, under the weather Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, I had an IV in me on Wednesday, but then I felt a lot better after that. Uh, so yesterday I felt 100%. You know, um, I don't want to get too graphic, but I was having stomach problems. The stomach problems, are I'm still feeling the residual effects of the stomach problems today, but that's nothing out of the ordinary for me, so that that's fine. My head, everything is, I feel a lot better. I probably sound a whole lot better, too. I know I was laboring through the last, like, 20 minutes of that that last episode. I was telling my friend Chris that my eyes were closed throughout the entire episode. So that's that's the advantages of not doing video episodes for the most part, is just being able to kind of look. I mean, I roll out of bed and do these episodes pretty much. Like, I go downstairs, I have some coffee. I bring it up with me. I usually spill it everywhere, and then I just get started in whatever I was sleeping in. So that's the beauty of doing just audio episodes when it comes to a podcast. Eventually, if I ever get another co-host, I would love to do 
uh, video episodes, that's usually, uh, it's weird. When a video episode, just yourself, is kind of weird in my opinion. Even if you have like a, it's not as weird even if you have like a producer or at least someone else in the room. When you're just sitting there staring into a camera uh, by yourself, it's kind of weird. And especially me, I'm, I lose I lose focus very easily, so to sit there and stare at a camera, I need to like look around the room as I'm talking. That's how I like jog my that's that's how I like gather my thoughts. I'll look around the room like I can't just stare at one spot and because because then I get too focused on that one spot and then I lose my train of thought. I'm weird like that, but anyway, content drop today. the episode is coming out, and then I have a new YouTube video for you guys. It's going to be out a little bit later on this afternoon. It is the not way too early, but still a little bit too early 2022 NFL mock draft. I think we've had uh, some interesting developments along the college football season so far. And even through two games in the NFL season, uh, three for a couple teams already, you could kind of see who's the contenders, who's the pretenders, and who are the teams that are just absolutely going to be in the top 10 of the draft. So, I didn't use my own draft uh, order. I used it's uh, the Draft Network. They're a really, really good website. Uh, they have mock drafts. They have articles. They, they they constantly put out content about drafts all year round. They're crazy. Um, they they have like great mock draft tools. So I used their draft order, and I didn't necessarily agree with it. Uh, there are some teams that are way too good to be like in the top 15 or there. Like I think the, the Washington football team was there. The Chargers were there, like teams like that, where I don't think that they will be in the top 15 where they're so questionable decisions, but we're just going to roll with it and what we got. Obviously, as the year goes on, the draft order will change. So I'm thinking about doing this probably once a month, I'd say, because, in, you know, this is a Friday. So my mock draft is going to come out on Friday, and then I'm going to watch some college football on Saturday and then be like, oh, wow, maybe I made a mistake. And then, you know, you're always constantly second guessing your picks and, and all that jazz. So I think it's interesting just to see how it goes along. And then usually what I, what I want to start doing is I, I'm planning way ahead here by saying this, but uh, what I want to do is after the actual draft itself, in 2022, I want to go back to my first mock draft of the season, which was, I'm going to pull it up now. I, it, it had to be a while ago because I did, and it actually did fairly well. It had well over a thousand views on it. Uh, uh, a lot of good comments, a lot of, I love when that's how I can gauge if a, if a video actually does well, that if it gets a lot of people that I don't know, if it gets a lot of people that aren't subscribed talking in the comment section, that's what I love to see. But, uh, I'm trying to find it here. Let's see. Shouldn't be too, too far down, but yeah, I have it right here. It was four months ago. Wow. So it is September. So I did this. I did this a month after the actual draft. So, wow. So I want to go back the, probably the day after, two days after the draft commences. I would like to go back and grade my first uh, 2022 mock draft. But I know for a fact that. I already had, like I didn't, I have it on paper and I'm going to physically put in the picks as the video goes along, but I have all my, all my notes and, and everything that I want to say and all my picks on paper. But I was looking just for a comparison. I did my first draft order and then the first picks, I put it on paper just to kind of see where I was at visually. And I'm looking and there was at least probably four or five guys that, that I had in the first round four months ago 
that I don't even see on like the top 100 prospects on the draft network top board. But I, you know, that I take that with a grain of salt. I don't think that everyone's draft top 100 or draft board is the same. Obviously it's not, but you know, I just thought that was interesting. Like I'll give you, for instance, like the last pick of my first round that I had was, I think I had the Kansas city chiefs taking Josh Joby, who's a cornerback. He's a, um, a red shirt sophomore. I want to say from Alabama with the last pick had a good year, had a good year last year. He had like 12 pass deflections. He had a couple picks uh, well on his way. And I looked, I just for curiosity, I looked him up in the draft database and he was like ranked like 126th. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, what happened to this guy? <laughs> but whatever, it, it's all well and good. So I, I guarantee that probably none of my, none of my picks from my first mock draft are going to be correct. in the, the, in the actual draft, but who knows, you know, it's just a crapshoot. Everything is a crapshoot. All these experts that do mock drafts and all that, or it's all a crapshoot. I, I always say everyone, everyone who's close to me knows that I have this thing, especially around mock draft season. I say that the two people that get paid the most to be wrong all the time are meteorologists and draft analysts. So there we go. Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, all those guys get paid a lot of money to get wrong. So I might as well do it for free, but that's all I wanted to let you guys know, a little bit of a content drop, and then I'm going to chill a little bit this weekend, and then I will come back at you. I probably won't post anything until Tuesday, and that will be bad commentary week three, so I'll lay low for a little while, and uh, obviously, too, so it's weird. Like I feel like I feel like every Tuesday, I have a video dropping and a podcast dropping, and then the mock draft. I, I feel like I always have a video dropping on Friday. Last week wasn't the case, but this week it is. And I like to drop I like to drop videos on Friday because then it gives everyone the weekend to, to kind of digest it. And I know people do things during the weekend, so they don't always get the opportunity to watch. But I'm just super excited about this. I, I, I always get excited about like any kind of redrafts, mock drafts, draft grades, anything that has to do with the draft. I don't know what it is. It just really excites me, but I'm excited to give that content to you. It will also be in audio form, but it won't be in audio form until tomorrow because I don't like posting back-to-back episodes in the same day because the first episode, people kind of forget to look at the episode list. So they'll see the newest episode, especially on like Apple Podcast, the newest episode comes out and it's at the top of the screen. So if you see that one, you click on it and then you fail to realize that there's another one underneath it. So I don't like to post multiple episodes in a day because the second one kind of gets forgotten about and it doesn't do as well. That I don't really care so much about, but sometimes the the episode has good quality in it and it just gets unlistened to. So the audio version will be out tomorrow of the mock draft. Also, what I wanted to say is I do have, um, I think I have three podcasts lined up next week. Uh, I will be joining the Noise Media Podcast Next week with a couple of my buddies, um, Max Gilson, great guy, great host. I'm really excited. They do a sports betting podcast. Uh, They look at everything analytically. So, you know, I'm not a huge fan of that, but their bets usually come out true. So they're doing something right over there. It'll be interesting to talk with those guys. I'm going to ask them for the audio file so I can post it um, so you guys can listen to it as well. Uh, I also have a radio personality from the West Coast. His name is Sage Alvarez. He should be coming on this week. He told me that Wednesday would be good for him. So hopefully we can get that lined up. And then I have a podcast that I want to do with my old professor from college, actually. Um, Interestingly enough, 
Uh, he just started talking about sports. He he he's a great speech professor. He was probably the best professor I had in my college experience. Uh, his name is John D. Lynn, Professor John D. Lynn, and he has the listen to, speak at your prime podcast. And he's like a tremendous, like world renowned like speech speaker. So I, that was not English whatsoever. So I'm, even if he's listening, he's going to be like, "Wow, what a terrible delivery that was." But He's really good, and we were supposed to have something scheduled for last Wednesday, but then, of course, I I, I wasn't feeling well, so I didn't want to risk anything because we're supposed to do it in person. So I didn't want to risk, you know, getting him sick. I don't know what I had at the time, so I just canceled and rescheduled it for another day. So going to be pretty busy next week. Uh, hopefully, I can get all those episodes out to you guys. But um, sorry for the twelve minute PSA, but like I said, I'm feeling a lot better today, so I'm going to have diarrhea of the mouth better than the other place that I had it last week. But oh. Goodness, that's too much information. All right, let's get into this. So uh, there's not too much to say about the Thursday night game. Really, the one, really two key points. Okay, three. I'll leave it at three. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make more. I'm not gonna make less. Number one was Christian McCaffrey left in the first quarter with a non-contact hamstring injury. So usually, what that tells me, if it's a non-contact ham- hamstring injury, it's a lot worse than it being a contact hamstring injury. So he might be out for multiple weeks. That's something to watch. Number two is Sam Darnold looks like an absolutely new man um, under Joe Brady and Matt Rule. He is using his legs a lot more, which I like to see because he was like very sneakily athletic. He's, I mean, he he's he is athletic, but like you, you never really saw that in the Adam Gase. Todd Bowles offense, you know, he never got to use his legs. Now, you know, they're, they're using him towards the goal. I mean, he's unstoppable. He's like six foot four, like 225 pounds. He's a big boy. So like, if you get him down to the, like anywhere in the five yard line, he rolls out of that pocket. He is going to score. Like he, like last year when the jets played the Las Vegas Raiders and he met like a 250 pound linebacker head on. He was running downhill. He trucked him into the end zone. So like, you know, the dude can move and he he is athletic. And I'm glad to see that they're kind of getting him a little out of his comfort zone. I want to say, and he also was tied for the league lead in touchdown, uh, rushing touchdowns. Now he added 304 yards through the air. He had two rushing touchdowns. I mean, it was, it wasn't close from the beginning. Davis Mills looked pretty good for what he was offered. I mean, his wide receivers, and besides for Brandon Cooks, his wide receivers and his offensive line did him no favors whatsoever in this game. Um, like I said, I, I think he looked pretty good for, for what he had. Um, Brandon Cooks continues to be the most disrespected wide receiver of the last like 10 years in the NFL. I know he's not in the NFL 10 years, but the guy has been let, let me let me give you some some knowledge. So Brandon Cooks has never been invited to the Pro Bowl, number one, which is which should be a mistake. This is his, I think it's his eighth year in the NFL. His eighth, his seventh or eighth year. I'm pretty sure it's his, uh, it might be his seventh. Okay, it is his seventh. So in seven, in six full seasons, Brandon Cooks has four 1,000-yard campaigns already. Three of them with three different teams, which no one else has ever done in the NFL, has had... Um, 3,000 yard seasons with three different teams. And he's, his numbers are well on pace with like Hall of Fame numbers. Like the guy already has like over 7,000 receiving yards, uh, like, like 50 touchdowns, something like that. He's got like crazy numbers. 
Uh, no one ever respects him. And I drafted him. I'm not saying this just because he's on one of my fantasy teams, but like I drafted him thinking to myself, I was like, yeah, it's about time. Like this guy gets some respect. I had him once before when he was on the New England Patriots and he had a great year that year too. The guy just knows how to get open. He had last, last night he had eight catches, 104 yards. He had a five yard rush as well. Like it doesn't matter who his quarterback is. He is immune to quarterback play. He will just play well. He's like a Terry McLaurin. Like Terry McLaurin has had 10 different starting quarterbacks in his three seasons in the NFL, but he is a great receiver. So I think it's about time that we give Brandon Cooks a little bit of respect, but this was really over before it began. The Carolina defense was pretty relentless. They sacked. Let me, let me pull up the numbers here. I, I, every time I looked at the telecast on ESPN, Davis Mills was getting sacked. So, um, he got sacked only four times, but he was pressured a hell of a lot more. The Houston running game, 17 rushes, 42 yards, basically non-existent. I'm sorry. Cooks had nine catches for 112 yards. Pardon me. Um, yeah, but outside of Brendan Cooks, yeah, no one really had, and no one had more than 30 receiving yards. Uh, awful, awful. So this is kind of what we expected from the Texans in the first couple games. I'll tell you what, if Tyrod Taylor was able to stay healthy throughout the entire season and play at the level that he was playing, the Texans could easily, at the end of the year, had had six or seven wins. Tyra Taylor was playing that good at football. And you forget in the first half of the game against the Browns, they were up 14-0, and he was 10 of 11 for 125 yards and a touchdown, and he also ran for a touchdown. He is a problem, and I feel like he's gotten the, sh the short end of the stick everywhere he's gone in his career. I've said that before, so that's all I'm really going to say on the game. The final score was 24-9, Carolina, uh, an expected victory for Carolina. They moved to 3-0. Um, they have played, everyone says, oh, they've had a cookie cutter schedule so far. That's not necessarily true because in the short season, um, the Jets have a top 10 defense so far. The Saints have a top 10 defense so far. I know it's only two games in, but that counts for something. So right then and there at the point of attack, Sam Darnold has beaten two top 10 defenses already. They're three, and know, I think they moved to Tampa Bay. In their next game, their next game is 10, 10 days away. I believe that they are playing Tampa Bay. So that'll be a real test of Sam Darnold. I don't expect them to win that game, but I expect it to be a lot closer than people think. So I, I would look for Sam Darnold to have a really good game there. Also, their pass defense is pretty leaky. So uh, I think that they won't give him as many problems as people do think. But for the Texans, uh, I actually don't know who they're playing next. Let me Let me check that real quick before we move forward. But for the Texans, it's just status quo as long as you're you're competitive and you stay in games. Like this game was a lot more competitive than the scoreline indicates. 24 to 9 doesn't seem like a very competitive game, but it, it was pretty competitive. At one at one point it was what 14 to 6. So one score game. You know, and 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 then they added a field goal and then they traded field goals back to back and then just Carolina scored with like five minutes left or whatever. But it was a highly competitive game for what it was. Um yeah, I mean, not the most thrilling game, but it was pretty fun to watch. A lot of people probably turned off after Gary Sanders, Christian McCaffrey left. But yeah, 24 to 9, the final score. Now we're going to move to the rest of the week three slate. Let me pull up my pick 'em for the NFL. Uh, let's see here. Yes. Pigskin pick 'em. That's how I go by my. I'm in the. 27th percentile. Is that good? I don't even... I, I When people say percentile, I have no idea what that means. I'm assuming it's not good because... 
Yeah, it just doesn't sound good. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I'm ranked 439,000th. So I guess that means I'm not good. But that's okay because I missed the entire... I didn't know that this existed, so I missed the entire week one slate of games. So right now I would be 20 and 13 instead of 10 and 7 on this. So whatever. So, so far 20 and 13 is not that terrible. I'll take that through 33 games. But anyway, let's look here. I had Carolina winning. Um, the next match matchup on this pick'em is the Buffalo Bills and the Washington football team. And the Washington football team have had a kind of rough go of it throughout the first three games. Like These are three tough opponents. They faced the Chargers. They faced a very game Giants team. And now they have to face the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills on this one. Um, I just, as well as Taylor Heineke has played, I think the Bills defense is much improved from last year, even though they didn't really add too much. But the one key thing that they added was a good pass rush. They added Carlos Basham. They added Gregory Rousseau. And um, now Washington offensive line isn't as good so far as we once and hoped anticipated it was going to be. So a pretty brutal pass rush going up against the middle of the pack offensive line spells disaster for a guy with shortcomings like Taylor Heineke does. Um, I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think we're going to see another scoreline kind of like uh, week one with Buffalo and Pittsburgh. I think it's going to be something like like 20-13, 20-16, 21 21-17, something like that, because um, both offenses really – I mean, the, the, the Bills' offense is kind of sputtering so far this season. I mean, yeah, they put up 35 points against Miami, but – the defense put them in very good positions. They put them in short field, so that doesn't tell the entire story. And also, the game was out of reach after the first quarter for Miami. Once Tua left, the game was over. So, um, and Washington, well, they put up 30, what did they, they put up 30 points? 30 points against the Giants. Uh, they looked okay that game, and they put up 16 against, oh my god, did you hear that? That was my neck, I just cracked. Wow. Uh, they put up 16 against the Chargers. Um, they, both offenses just look like one step behind what they're supposed to look like. So maybe this will be the game where both, who knows, maybe it'll be a blowout or a shootout. Who knows? I don't think that's going to be the case. I will pick Buffalo on this one. I think that they just have, I think it comes down to quarterback play and Josh Allen is a way better quarterback than Taylor Heineke is it. That's not up for debate. So moving on to the next game, it is Justin Fields first ever start in the NFL he will be facing the Cleveland Browns. And normally I would be worried about, you know, like I'm always worried about a rookie quarterback starting against a team because you don't really know what to expect. You don't have much game tape on him. You can't go off of his college tape because it's, it's totally different. Preseason is a different animal as well because you're not playing with first string guys. Um, what I saw from Justin Fields against Cincinnati last week, he was six of 13 for 60 yards in interception. Very. It, no mistake about it. It was a very conservative game plan. Once, I mean, Andy Dalton also had a conservative game plan. I don't know what the Bears are doing. Just start the kid the entire season. Let him play, for God's sakes. I mean, Jesus Christ. You're not going to get anywhere with Andy Dalton. It's abundantly clear. Um, the defense led them to that win last, last week. The offense only scored 13 points. The game-winning touchdown was decided by Roquan Smith. So that should really tell you about what kind of offense they're running with Andy Dalton. Um, normally it would scare me, but the Cleveland Browns defense looked a heck of a lot better in week two against the Houston Texans than it did in week one. Obviously no defense is going to look that good against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, but for the fact that 
Justin Fields in his conservative game plan wasn't able to do anything spectacular against the Cincinnati Bengals of all teams doesn't really bode well for him going against a much improved Cleveland Browns unit. So I'm going to go with the Browns here, even though Baker Mayfield has played pretty mediocre so far this year. I mean, he's a mediocre guy, mediocre quarterback, um, great personality, but a mediocre quarterback, basically. Uh, I expect this also to be a close game. I'm going to say, I don't usually like to give score predictions, but I can see this being like 24, 20 to like 2017, another, another low scoring affair. Um, I'm going to go with Cleveland though, just because I think that they're going to throw some things at Justin Fields that obviously he's never seen before. It's going to be a little bit of a rough go of him. That offensive line doesn't really help either. And when you got Miles Garrett, um, opposite you, it, 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 it weighs in the back of your mind. That's for sure. So I'm going to go with Cleveland on that one. Then moving on. Some of these are some dead matchups. I got to be honest with you. This week was very, I didn't really have any, any picks that I really had to think about. It's pretty dead week three. Uh, Baltimore Ravens against the Detroit Lions. Uh, I'm going to go with Baltimore here. I mean, that's not a, a tough pick. Lamar Jackson played out of his mind in the second half against KC. He finally looked like he woke up a bit. He looked a little rusty against the Las Vegas Raiders. The first half of the game against Kansas City, I was like, oh boy, here we go. And then he finally showed who he was. Again, he was uh, a superstar athlete, dominant quarterback in the second half of that game on Sunday Night Football last week. I expect him to carry that right into Detroit. Detroit can't stop a nosebleed at this point. They got um, physically assaulted by Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones last week. Uh, They should still be reeling from that. I will be honest with you, Quintus Cephas is turning out to be a very good wide receiver for Detroit. And Jared Goff really doesn't look as bad as people thought he was going to look, including myself. I'll be the first one to admit it. So I think it'll be pretty competitive in the first half. And then once Baltimore start to pull away, it's it's going to be it's going to be a laugher. I'll say that Baltimore easily put up 30 plus points against this Detroit defense. I mean, they lost they lost Jeffrey Okuda, who, you know, hasn't had a fair share of it throughout the first two years of his career up until this point, but that was a massive talent loss. And then um, I could never say his name and people ragged on me on YouTube for it. Um, The cornerback that they drafted from Syracuse. I just have a mental block with his name. I I cannot pronounce it. Um, Sorry. Uh, Third round rookie. They lost him as well uh, for the next couple weeks. So their secondary is as thin as paper at this point. So I don't really expect them to be able to keep up with Sammy Watkins Hollywood Brown, Tylen Wallace, guys like that. I think it's going to be pretty, pretty said and done early on. So obviously, I'm going to go with Baltimore. This one was this one was the one that gave me the most trouble was the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts because both teams do not look good so far. I'll be the first to say. I mean, AJ Brown has been a borderline disappointment throughout the first two games of the season. Uh, Tannehill has not played up to expectation. Derrick Henry is going to be Derrick Henry after, after he fell asleep in week one, he woke up and just murdered the entire Seattle defense last week. What he put 180 yards and three touchdowns on them. Unbelievable. So as long as Tennessee could hitch their wagon to Derrick Henry, uh, they're going to win games because once that guy gets going, they just, you know, you know what I love? From a fantasy perspective, when you have Derrick Henry, you never have to worry about him having a bad first half because no matter how bad his first half is, they're going to continue to feed him the ball. Like, look at what happened against Seattle. The first half, I'm pretty sure he had like 10 rushes for like 40 yards, not anything spectacular. And then they gave him the ball like 25 times in the second half. And he wound up, he had 35 rushes at the end of the game. He is going to get an insane amount of touches. So once they get him going, it's hard to get him to stop. Um, 
Indianapolis's running running defense has been okay so far. I feel like they haven't gotten a fair share. They played Seattle in week one, and then they played the Rams. So really, this 0-2, you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt because their schedule obviously will get easier. But this is already a huge matchup. I feel like this could be a pendulum swing in the AFC South divisional matchup because I said earlier this week, <clears throat> pardon me, in the recap of week two that I believe that nine and eight or 10 and seven would easily be able to win this division because it's just a fight between, it's going to be a dog fight between the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans. The, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars are not going to be in it. The Texans are not going to be in it. it the, these two divisional matchups coming up against each other are going to be more monumental than any other matchup that they have this year. So, um, I did go with Tennessee on this one just because I feel like Indianapolis, especially Jonathan Taylor, and this might sound a little salty because he is on my fantasy team, that Jonathan Taylor has not gotten off to a good start at all. Um, he hasn't looked good. Carson Wentz has looked pretty average. Michael Pittman's looked good, which is which is nice development so far throughout the first two games. I think he's got like 200 receiving yards or something close to that. So he's looked good. There, there are positives to build on. Quiddy Pay is looking like a looking like he's going to be a problem in the NFL on the defensive line. Uh, their secondary has been torched throughout the first couple of games, though. So that's something that's worrying. They have a very slow secondary. Um, that's that's definitely a problem. And especially going up against Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, that is definitely a problem. So we'll see. I think it's going to be the Derrick Henry show, and that's why I picked Tennessee, because once that guy gets going, he's not going to stop. So we'll go with Tennessee with that one. Uh, moving on to another divisional matchup, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers. And, um, yeah, it's going to be KC. Uh, and I kind of say that reluctantly because I really, really want to pick the Los Angeles Chargers again. But I picked them two weeks in a row. They almost won last week against the Dallas Cowboys, which a lot of people didn't have them picked. But I'm going to go with KC because KC coming off of a loss is almost unbeatable. So right then and there, yeah, I, I can't remember the last time Patrick Mahomes lost two games back to back. So I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs in this one. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people anticipate. I don't think I think the K, the Kansas City Chiefs defense has been exposed through the first two weeks that they're not as good as once thought. And I think that the Chargers defense is a lot better than people thought. So I think it will be close. Eventually, it'll probably come down to like a fourth quarter drive and Patrick Mahomes will throw like 95 yards in 10 seconds and win the game because, you know, that's usually just what he does. Um, but I will say Kansas City will will take this one. Moving on, um, the New England Patriots and the New Orleans Saints. I'm going to go with the Patriots on this one. I feel like they should be 2-0 right now. And kind of rolling like they got a good thing going like Mac Jones is a guy right now that Bill Belichick is kind of like, yeah, if you drop back, just don't throw the ball too far. Don't turn the ball over. And he hasn't done that so far throughout two games. So I feel like they should be two and oh, they are one and one. They lost a one point game in week one to Miami, 17 to 16. Um, I feel like as the season goes on, they're going to start opening up the playbook a little bit more. But I feel like for this one, they will be conservative, a little bit more conservative like they've been in the couple, first couple of weeks because the New Orleans Saints defense is pretty good. Uh, I just don't believe in the offense. I'm sorry. Uh, I, Jameis Winston, I don't think week one was a fluke. Let's leave it like that. But I also don't think that is actual Jameis Winston. Like, I feel like that was just the Green Bay Packers just kind of gave up halfway through and, and, and Jameis was 
was just beasting out. But last week against a very game Carolina Panthers defense, he looked really bad. He completed 50% of his passes and two interceptions, and he had just over 100 yards. And the the New England Patriots match up well against their wide receivers. And they and I guess the path to victory for the Saints would be to run the ball with Alvin Kamara because throughout the first couple of weeks, the Patriots' run, de- <clears throat> run defense has been exposed a little bit. They don't look as good. I mean, against the Jets, the Jets kind of ran the ball all over them, which was surprising. Uh, you wouldn't think that from the scoreline that it was 25 to 6, but the Jets had about 150 yards on the ground in that game. So uh, if they hitch their wagon to Alvin Kamara, he might be able to get them in positions for Jameis to make easy throws. So that will be the path to victory probably for New Orleans. But I don't necessarily think that that's going to happen. Uh, I think that Bill Belichick is the most prepared coach in NFL history. Uh, I think he will know that. And I think he will stack the box and he will force Jameis Winston to throw the ball to JC Jackson, who will probably have another five picks. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to go with the Patriots on this one, just because I feel like they are the more complete team right now. And they match up a lot better at the skill positions than new Orleans does. <laughs> Goodness. Moving on to the dead, the deadest game of the week. Uh, the Owen two Atlanta Falcons against the Owen two New York giants. I went against the grain here with this one, and I picked the Atlanta Falcons because the Atlanta Falcons played very well against a top-notch Tampa Bay Bucks team last week. Like I said, the final score, 48-25, to does not indicate that they played well, but at one point it was 27-25, to and then two pick-sixes for Matt Ryan. One of them was deflected and popped into the air, so I guess, yeah, you could count it, but it, you know, not really necessarily his fault. But they looked really good. They 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 kept it very competitive and they came back too. I think it was it was twenty one to seven at one point or or something close to that. It was pretty out of reach and they came back and and they fought hard. And Cordell Patterson is turning out to be a very nice Swiss Army knife out of the backfield for them. It looks like he's finally found a good home in Atlanta. Uh, he's catching the ball at the backfield. He's actually getting touches as a running back. I think this is what finally suits him. It only took him like ten years to find out where exactly he would fit, and he fits pretty well in Atlanta. So I think he'll pose a problem. The the only way I really see the Giants winning is if they could actually run the football. If Saquon Barkley plays and he could run the ball semi-efficiently, I don't think they'll have a problem winning. I just don't believe in that yet. I think Saquon is still hurt. I think that the Giants brought him back four weeks too early. I think he should have been making his season debut next week. I don't think he should have been playing up until this point because he looks really bad throughout the first two games. But this is the team to look good against. Atlanta, uh, if you get past Grady Jarrett, they have no defense. With, and Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones, they have no defense whatsoever. So I, I'm still going to go with Atlanta here. I think that Matty Ice is going to get the job done against the Giants. And 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 uh, I don't know. I, I just, I'm having second thoughts on Joe Judge. I think that Joe Judge lives in an egotistical echo chamber. Uh, at this point, I, I he's all talk and, and all ego and really no action. How many chances are we going to give you? Uh, he's gone up against a couple very, I wouldn't say very favorable opponents, but beatable opponents in the first two weeks. And this is the most beatable opponent that you have. But if you can't get the job done against Arthur Smith and this Atlanta Falcons team, then you really have some questions to be answered if you're the New York Giants. Moving on to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals. And yes... Yes, everyone, I am going against the Cincinnati Bengals this week. Don't worry. 
I was almost 2-0 with the Cincinnati Bengals, so I don't want to hear it. Um, I am going with the Steelers because I don't, you know, I don't know that, that, that three picks in three throw performance by Joe Burrow just kind of made me a little less confident and Pittsburgh is the best defense that they have faced so far this year. Uh, I, you know, I just, I don't know what to say because Cincinnati looked good and then Cincinnati looked bad. The Steelers looked good and then they looked bad. So one of these teams is going to look bad again. So I'm going with the Steelers winning. Just I, I don't really believe in what Big Ben has been has been doing so far this year. I think he's been very, very mediocre so far. Um, and I think Joe Burrow has been pretty mediocre so far this year. But yeah. You know, I'm just going with my gut on this. I really, because I, I just have negative things to say about both teams. I don't really have anything positive to say. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh on this one. Then moving on to the Arizona Cardinals and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Very easy here. I'm going to say one phrase and that's going to be it. I'm picking the Arizona Cardinals because Kyler Murray is going to be the MVP of the NFL this year. And that's it. And the Jacksonville Jaguars defense is non-existent. Then the game after that on this slate is the Denver Broncos and the New York Jets. And yes, I am not going with the New York Jets this week. Uh, I was thoroughly embarrassed on my last pick, and I was—I wholeheartedly believed that the Jets were going to beat the Patriots. I can't. There was not even a shred of doubt in my mind, which was crazy to me because why? Why would I not think that the Jets had a chance to lose to the Patriots? That's just silly on my part as a fan and as a makeshift podcast host that's just a terrible it's a terrible decision to make yeah i'm going with denver because it's their home opener and they just look leaps and bounds. they look five steps ahead of the new york jets uh, teddy bridgewater is playing fantastic football right now their defense is despite the fact that they lost uh, bradley chubb their defense is playing really well right now too um patrick sertan looks like he is going to be the defensive a rookie of the year so far throughout the first two games. He's played awesome. And I hope he does get it because I, that was my pick from the beginning, actually, that he was going to get it. But the Jets, as long as the Jets keep this semi-competitive, I don't have a problem with them losing. I said it before. I'll say it again. If the Jets go 0-17 this year, but 13 or 14 of their losses were one score games, I don't necessarily really have a problem with it. So... I'm going to say that they're going to lose, but it might be a little bit closer than you think. The Jets' defense has been playing a lot better than people give them credit for. They are a top 10 unit right now. Um, it, I don't think it's it's a – they've given up – they average 22 points a game given up. Uh, and their cornerback, their secondary is one of four secondaries in the NFL that hasn't let up a touchdown yet, a passing touchdown yet. So that is also something to hang their hat on, this, especially since they have a – they have a fifth-round cornerback from last year as their number one corner and two rookies, one from the fourth round and one from the sixth round, starting across the board. So you have a fourth, fifth, and sixth-round cornerback starting across the board, and you haven't given up a passing touchdown in the secondary yet. That's pretty impressive, if you ask me. Um, Brett, just for, for namesake alone, Bryce Hall is the fifth-rounder from last year. Michael Carter, the second is the slot corner from this year, fourth rounder. And then the sixth rounder is Brandon Eccles from Pitt, who actually has a chance to be a sneaky, sneaky good cornerback. And he's played very well so far. 
But also, I want to just mention, just because I have to hang my hat on something. I mean, like, I'm a Jet fan, and it's looked so bleak so far. Just give me this, that um, Bryce Hall has only given up two catches on, like, 10 targets so far this year for, like, 14 yards. So he's looking like a he was considered a first-round talent two years ago. It's just he had an injury, and then he got COVID, and then he didn't look the same, and the Jets got him all the way in the fifth round, and he's looked – last year he looked great. This year he looks really good. So hopefully they found a really late-round first – a number one cornerback gem. That would be great. But you'll see in my mock draft that I've thoroughly taken care of the secondary for next year. So don't, don't you worry about that. And also the offensive line. But moving on to the next game, I have the Las Vegas Raiders and the Miami Dolphins. This is simple. Another thing that I'm going to say, I mean, with Tua under center, I don't necessarily think the Dolphins are a lock to win. But since he is out and Jacoby Brissett is going to be under center, Jacoby Brissett does not fit this offense whatsoever. It, it, it just looked so ugly the other day, and it's going to continue to get ugly. Uh, Vegas is going to continue their hot start. They're going to be 3-0. I'm picking Vegas on this one. Um, also, if Miami wants to succeed as a football team, they have to be more balanced because it, it it's so funny to me how they don't even have like a run game either. Like they don't really have a passing attack even with Tua under center and they don't have a running attack either. So like what is their offense? They don't have offense. Their backfield is an absolute mess between Miles. I don't know why people believe in Miles Gaskin, but they do. Miles Gaskin, who's run for like two yards a carry this year. My, Malcolm Brown, who has 30 total yards through two games. And then Salvin, Salvin Ahmed, who I don't even know. He might have the most yards out of the three of them. Uh, just a mess in the backfield so far. And just a mess in general. I'm going with Vegas on this one. And then probably the best game, actually not probably, the best game on the slate is the 425 matchup this week between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Los Angeles Rams. And I went, once again, against the grain on this one. I am picking the Los Angeles Rams. I am full gung-ho. I'm a, full, I'm a firm believer that the Los Angeles Rams are going to be the representative of the NFC in the Super Bowl this year. Uh, I think that their offense is clicking on all cylinders. Right now, their defense is one of, if not the top units in the NFL. And I think that they're going to pose big problems to Tom Brady this week because I don't really know how they're going to match up across the board. Um, well, you have to figure that Ryan Jensen, the center, is going to get third. Is going to get, oh, that's my house alarm. So that scared the absolute poop out of me if you guys heard that. Um, what was I saying? Ryan Jensen. Ryan Jensen is going to match up against Aaron Donald, so you got to figure that Ryan Jensen is going to get at least five personal foul penalties because that's what he does. He's just a troublemaker in the middle of that offensive line. They should get rid of him immediately because he is the one that is giving up the most pressures and getting Tom Brady sacked for the most part. Um, yeah, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense has been really leaky throughout the first couple of games, and I think Matthew Stafford is playing the best ball of his career up until this point. I know it's only two games in, but he's looked, he looks ready. Shooting sleeve Matthew Stafford is unmatched so far this season. So I think that it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a close high-scoring game because you can't keep Tom Brady and that, and that high-powered Tampa Bay defense at bay for long. So I think that it's going to be like a 31-28 affair, and I think that the Rams are going to pull out on top. Then moving on, we have the 
Seattle Seahawks and the Minnesota Vikings. And I did pick the Seattle Seahawks um, because the Vikings secondary has not looked good this year. And Tyler Lockett might go for two more long touchdowns this week. They got, I don't want to say they got blown up by Joe Burrow, but they got, they, they got, I can't say torch because they only threw for like 260 and two touchdowns, but he only had five incompletions. He made all the throws that he needed to, and the secondary didn't pose problems. Let's leave that as diplomatically as possible. And then Kyler Murray uh, lit the entire secondary on fire last week. 400 passing yards, three touchdowns, the whole enchilada. Um, and who's to say that Russell Wilson is not going to do the same thing? Russell Wilson is probably the best of those three quarterbacks, and he has the best deep, I'll say it right now, the best deep threat in the NFL in Tyler Lockett. So uh, I think that connection right there is probably going to go for 150. Uh, the Vikings, Kirk Cousins is not the problem. I, I wish I could make fun of him, but he has looked good throughout the first two games. Really good, actually. He has put them in positions to win. So nothing I could say about that. It just comes down to execution. The Vikings, I've said it, I said it on Tuesday and I'll say it again. The Vikings are a bad fumble call and a made field goal away from being 2-0. So let's take that for what it is. I know their record is different, and at the end of the day, wins and losses matter, not what-ifs. But they are very close to being 2-0. Um, I think Seattle is going to turn up their play for the rest of the season because they realize that, oh my god, we're 1-1 one and one, we're in the bottom of the division already. San Francisco looks okay. They don't look too convincing, but they look like they will eke out a lot of very close games. The Cardinals offense just looks on fire. And then you have the Rams, who Matthew Stafford is playing out of his mind, and they have the best defensive unit in football. So I think Seattle realizes that they got to turn it up a notch. If Chris Carson can, can get started on the ground, that would be good too. I think he's only been held to about 40 rushing yards in both the first two games. Um, if he can get started, that would be a tremendous help to Russell Wilson and that offense. But I think at the end of the day, um, I think Seattle will come out on top over Minnesota. And then Green Bay and San Francisco. And I think that San Francisco will get exposed in this game. They have played two pretty mediocre teams so far. They played Detroit, which they almost blew the lead to in epic fashion. And then they had a surprise defensive battle against Philadelphia last week. A, game, a defensive battle that you really don't want to be in against a team like Philadelphia either. Like that's a team that you should be defensively, you should be able to beat. Offensively, if Jalen Hurts comes out and he throws for 300 yards and rushes for another 70 in a score, that's, you know, that's just because that's the kind of player he is. But, you know, you can't be getting into a defensive battle. You can't only put up 17 points against a unit like Philadelphia and then, and then almost give up a lead against a, a unit like Detroit. So uh, I think they have a lot of holes and they'll get exposed this week. Aaron Rodgers looks to be back. I'm going to go with Green Bay on this one. Uh, and then moving on to the, that is a Sunday night game. And then moving on to the Monday night game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. I am going against the grain one more time. And I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles. I, re I really like what I've seen from Jalen Hurts so far this year. He looked good. He didn't turn the ball. He, I don't think he's turned the ball over yet this year. And that was a big problem going into this year. That was his fumble concerns and his, and his decision making was a big concern last year. And so far he's faced a pretty tough unit in in San Francisco and he looked pretty good and you know I mean he played Atlanta so he had a tune-up game <laughs> but no I'm gonna go with Philadelphia I'm really impressed with Jalen Hurts their defense somewhat looks a lot better than we thought so far and that's not really saying much you're going up against Atlanta 
their pass rush looks good. Let's let's leave it like that. They harassed Atlanta on the off on on the pass rush, and their defense looked good as a whole against San Francisco. So I think they'll be able to hold Dak Prescott enough. These def, you know these inter wow I I can't think of the word these inter divisional wow Jesus these inter divisional matchups are always closer contested. And I feel like Philadelphia more often than not comes out on top against like the Cowboys, the Washington football team, the Giants in close encounters. I'm going to go with Philadelphia on this. I have a good feeling that Jalen Hurts is going to play very good ball. All right, there we go. Those are my picks for week three. I'm super, super pumped for this week. I hope you guys are too. Uh, You will be hearing from me again tomorrow. Uh, Obviously pre-recorded. I mean, they're all pre-recorded, but this goes straight out to you. Um, this next episode will be recorded today and then it will be out tomorrow. I'm going to have about four or five episodes out next week. So be prepared for a lot of episodes. Uh, just letting you know, don't let any of them fall, you know, cue them. If you see that there's like five episodes that you haven't watched, just cue them, let them play. I don't care if you don't listen to me, just let them play. Just let me get the downloads people. Come on. We're struggling out here. Not really, but uh, I'm just playing. But yeah, uh, just be prepared for a lot of content this week. I got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of things planned. So I'm, I'm very pumped about it. I'm pumped to have you guys listen to it and let me know what you guys think. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you guys have a great weekend and you will hear from me again for the NFL on Tuesday. Have a great day. Thank you.